Hello and welcome to the second episode of The Digital Download. I'm Kate Hamer, I run a marketing and digital consultancy, Kate Hamer Limited, and I've worked in large brands like Unilever, Disney and L'Oreal for over 15 years, uh, a decade of that in digital. So I really know how hard it can be to keep up to date with the fast moving world of digital and everything that keeps changing on a daily basis. So this podcast is to help you by giving you a summary of the past week's news. In the episodes, I'll also be speaking with special guests about broader topics in the industry, having little how-to sessions, beginner's guides, all kinds of things like that. Thanks to everyone who has already downloaded it. Do subscribe and leave a review. At one point last Monday, it was actually number 25 in the business podcast uh, chart on iTunes. Never been in the charts before, so I was quite pleased with that. So thanks to everyone. And thank you to those of you who sent comments and feedback on the first episode. Do keep it coming. I really want this to be your podcast. So do tweet me at Kate Hamer Limited. And that's LTD, not the whole word limited, or email kate at katehamer.com with any feedback, questions, or topics that you'd like me to cover. So, without further ado, we will get into the events of last week. I'm going to start off by looking at social media. So, first of all, Facebook. Uh, Facebook rolled out 360 degree photos so you can now um, tilt your phone looking at these photos and feel like you're actually there and the good thing is there's not too much to do as a user so you can um, use the panorama function on your iPhone or there's a 360 degree app that you can get so you just take the photo load it to Facebook and they take care of the rest as Mark Zuckerberg says. I also saw in a blog uh, by someone called George on We Are Social Media that um, he'd noticed a new feature on Facebook this week so when he went to post something there was a prompt from Facebook saying, do you want to notify a few friends about this? And then a get started button that when he clicked, there was an option to add up to 10 friends. So I've looked on my version of Facebook and I don't have it. So it's clearly a test at the moment that they may be trying out with different users, but it could be a really interesting way to enable people to start sharing posts, perhaps like a video if they've put a video up that they think certain friends would find it really entertaining without tagging people in that post, which obviously makes it appear on that person's timeline as well. So watch this space on that. Uh, other developments on Facebook, you can now leave a video as a comment. Uh, that's just on the desktop web version at the moment, but it's coming in the next iOS and Android app updates. So this means that you'll be able to record and upload the video from your mobile. Potentially they're doing this in, in response to Snapchat who are quite literally snapping at Facebook's heels in terms of amount of time spent in the app. So at the moment, Facebook is the leader in terms of users' time spent in the app. And obviously uh, Instagram earlier this year also extended their videos from 15 seconds to one minute. So video is definitely a battleground for all the different social apps at the moment. Also speaking of video on Facebook, now any video under 30 seconds will auto loop. So 
that potentially offers some creative opportunities for brands in terms of the content that they create and how that might actually be able to work in a loop. Other things on Facebook, there's so much news. Mark Zuckerberg is doing his first ever Facebook Live Q&A on the 14th of June. That's at 11.30am Pacific time, so 7.30pm UK time. It will be really interesting to see how comments that obviously can be made during the stream will affect the topics that he talks about and the way that he answers questions they're asking for questions in advance but obviously people will be commenting live and the final thing that i've got for you on facebook is that there is an extension in chrome called flatbook for chrome which tidies up the desktop interface of facebook so it hides everything on that right hand side the ads uh, recommended games those kind of things that's potentially not going to be great for advertisers, although the big advertisers tend to be in the actual feed doing promoted posts. I always say that right-hand bar is the dregs of the internet, really. Um, usually for me, it's stomach-flattening pants are advertised or some such nonsense. But uh, if you want to remove that from your Facebook page when you're looking on Chrome, check out Flatbook for Chrome as an extension. On to Instagram. Instagram's latest update allows users to post without opening the app on iOS. So you can now select an image from photos or elsewhere, choose the share option. You can add a caption that way as well. But if you want to add filters or you want to tag people, then you still need to open the app. But just to post a picture is a lot simpler now than opening the app. LinkedIn are rolling out a new set of tools called Premium Insights, which will help premium users learn more about their competitors and other companies in their industry. It's available to all the premium tiers of membership apart from the job seeker level. And it will include data around hiring, job openings, total employee count, the roles, roles that are open, notable alumni, any company that has 30 or more employees with LinkedIn profiles will be able to be looked up. And obviously, as people get into the data more, it will give them an indication of turnover of staff and all kinds of things. So that data could be really interesting. As I say, at the moment, it's just available to premium tiers of membership. But LinkedIn are talking about developing it further and potentially they'll be uh, more available. I could see a version for job seekers as well in terms of the sorts of people that work there perhaps and that kind of thing. On to Twitter, lots of um, new hashtag emojis this week. I'm not sure what they're really called. It used to be hash flags when it was things for the Euros, for example, but there are ones for hashtag queen at 90, hashtag Ramadan, hashtag EU ref this week. So just a nice little icon at the end of the hashtag. So you just type the hashtag in and then when your tweet posts, it appears with the icon. So they're nice, brightens up Twitter a bit, especially for the Euros. There's a circle with the flag on for every country in the Euros and hashtag Euro 2016 also shows the European Championships Cup icon at the end of the hashtag. Other news on Twitter, there were rumours this week that 32 million Twitter passwords had been hacked and put up for sale on the dark web um, with a offer of either dollars or Bitcoin. I think this person was offering to sell this information. 
Twitter have looked at it. Uh, they came back saying that they were confident that it hadn't been obtained by a data breach at Twitter's end. They've since done a second blog post to say that it looks like it could have been combined data from previous hacks and uh, data issues elsewhere but they've looked through and any that were actual accounts they've locked them for user security this gives me an opportunity to recommend that you activate uh, two-factor authentication on your twitter account it's super simple to do you just go to settings account security and then turn on login verification and that will send a code to your mobile phone so you have that as backup to login when you log in and on desktop etc your password is still necessary as well but then you'll use this number in addition to it so it's just extra secure so i would recommend that everyone does that some brighter news on Twitter. They've partnered with Transport for London this week to offer instant notifications as a direct message about the status of various tube lines. So if you live in London and want to activate that, you go to tfl.gov.uk slash Twitter hyphen alerts and select which lines you want to be updated on. At the moment, it's available on the central line, the district line, rail and overground. Says the rest are coming soon. I don't know if that's similar to when they say a tube's coming soon and you wait for ages. Hopefully not. They have also made it easy to add Twitter timelines to websites this week. So if you go to their publisher website, you can now enter the URL of your feed and it will give you embeddable code for your website. So that's going to enhance just how far Twitter feeds can go. And obviously with brand sites, it gives you a great opportunity to put your feed onto your site as well. Data geek that I am, I've been very much enjoying Twitter's data hub for the EU referendum this week. It shows what's most talked about, who, what topics are leading the conversation. What I'm going to start doing is having a page on my website with backup material to this podcast because obviously some things are quite visual in a digital perspective so to be able to show you things I'll put all the relevant links on a page on katehamer.com there is a podcast page on katehamer.com and each week I'll put a page for the episode with all supporting material but definitely have a look at that link it's very interesting the leave campaign has been the most talked about this week but that could be people talking both positively and negatively about it. In the past 24 hours, the economy has been the topic leading the discussion, although that's quite down in terms of how big it was earlier in the week. David Cameron has been the campaigner most talked about this week. So it's quite interesting to look at all the different elements within that referendum. On to Snapchat. So this week, Snapchat redesigned the stories and discover section within the app. Instead of just having the publisher circles with the brand of publisher, there's now a taster of their content. So there's an image and a headline to encourage click through. And you can also subscribe to publishers, which places any unread stories under updates from your friends. Live stories now sit alongside Discover. They were getting more views. Um, Live stories are the ones that are created by user content that have perhaps said, my London story or my Euro 2016 story. And obviously Snapchat to make revenue needs to sell advertising. So I think they have been looking at how they can get their publishers and advertising more in front of people. 
In terms of stats, the US in the US uh, Cosmopolitan said they were getting about 20 million views a month of their publisher content, which is a significant amount. But if you put it compared to branded filters that are sometimes getting more than that in a 24-hour period, then obviously they need to be driving more views of their publisher content. So check that out. It's quite a nice interface now much more colourful and interesting to subscribe you can just hold down the publisher content and a little box appears and you can hit subscribe so check that out and see how you find it a little random well it's not so little but uh, not one of the top social media platforms that we'll be talking about every week but swarm which was split off from foursquare last year is introducing something that seems remarkably like what existed on Foursquare. So it's introducing Swarm perks in the new iOS and Android update. So when you check into certain stores or national chains, you'll be eligible for discount codes. It's also having Swarm challenges, where if you check into different locations over a certain time period, you'll be eligible to go into a prize draw. Uh, Both of those are in the US at the moment. Foursquare obviously used to do all that, Swarm have already reintroduced mayorships, badges, leaderboards, so it's not really clear why they split out from Foursquare in the first place. It definitely seems that they're moving back towards being Foursquare, but there's a little update for you on that. So that's all the traditional, if we can say traditional, for social media platforms. On to a section on messaging, because there's a few different updates from messaging apps, so I thought I'd put those all together this week. WhatsApp, so in the next iOS release of WhatsApp, it's going to let people send GIFs. Uh, Just a note on GIFs, I know that the inventor of them says that the G should be soft and it should be pronounced GIF, and even though I would hate it if I told people, no, it's Kate Hamer, and they said, yeah, Hammer sounds better. There is quite a lot of debate online still saying that they think it should be GIF, because apparently the White House has said that it's GIF, and all words that start with a G, like gaff, gift, etc., have a hard G. There's even a website called howtoreallypronouncegif.com, so I'm going to keep calling it GIF. Apologies. So the update on WhatsApp is going to support autoplay and allow them to be embedded into conversations. It seems that we are becoming increasingly visual in our communications. Obviously, emojis are replacing words as top used things. Maybe it's the case that sometimes only a Britney head shake can say what we need to say and we can't put it into words. WhatsApp won't support GIF search like Facebook and Twitter will. But apparently Giphy is going to be releasing a GIF keyboard for iOS, which will mean you can be, you can search them and add them to any messaging platform. So GIFs are definitely taking off even further after being added to Twitter recently and um, Peach, the social network, which has gone a bit quiet, I think. But that was one of the first that had GIFs. On to Facebook Messenger. Facebook has disabled messaging in its mobile website now and is pushing people to download the app. So a couple of years ago, it did that within its Facebook app. It stopped messaging and made you download the additional messenger app. It's clear why they're doing it. I mean, they've got 900 million monthly active users on that platform 
currently. So obviously the more people they can get on there, the more opportunity they've got to monetize that in the future. So again, watch this space. iMessage, uh, there is a sketchy rumor as the next web called it on their website that iMessage may be coming to Android. So there's a rumor that it might be announced on Monday in the keynote at Apple's Worldwide Developers Conference be interesting because obviously it would make it a universal messaging app people on android could be messaging with family and friends on ios it's a free app though so i'm not sure really in terms of revenue how that would help apple unless they're thinking from a point of view of advertising revenue in the future but yeah that is a sketchy rumor that if you're listening to this post monday you will know whether it was true or not and then finally viber Another messaging app is going to be testing native advertising with select partners over the next three months. So it's talking about it being quite a delicate process on both sides. They've got 754 million users on Viber. They obviously really won't want to alienate any of them. Um, It's the only top ranked messaging app in over 10 countries behind Facebook Messenger and WhatsApp. So it's a big opportunity for advertisers if they can get it right. Again, watch this space. Now, on to a few things around apps for this week. There is a new app that has launched in the US called Winnie, spelt like the bear Winnie the Pooh. And it's for parents uh, to tag places as kid friendly, list things out like if they've got changing tables in the loos, ask questions, is this park good for toddlers, that kind of stuff and share moments. It's a a free app on iOS. There aren't any in-app purchases within it. Their CEO is saying that it's been created because they don't want any parent to go through the journey of parenting alone. So it could be quite an interesting peer-to-peer offering as an app. And eventually I presume they're gonna want to generate revenue somehow. So could be a good targeted advertising platform for people trying to promote their products to parents. In London, there is a new cycling app called Flick, F-L-I-C, and it's been created to apply pressure on Sadiq Khan to do more about road safety. It's combined with a Bluetooth-enabled digital button on your bike, and you press it when you encounter a dangerous situation or something in need of improvement, and it automatically sends an email to the mayor. And all of this will then build up into a map of trouble spots real time so that people can start to see where there have been accidents or where there are problems. Quite an interesting way to empower cyclists and to collect data on such a large scale. You know, if cyclists are out every day on the roads, they're the perfect people to be highlighting potential blind spots, dangers, etc. Apple is changing the way that the App Store works. So firstly, its apps approval process has been something that has been a problem for developers in the past. They're now saying that they are reviewing 50% of app submissions within 24 hours and 90% within 48 hours. So going much quicker. And then in terms of payment models, in the past subscriptions haven't been available to all types of app categories especially games, for example, which meant that developers could only make money from that initial download of their app. They're now opening up 
subscription models to all categories and they've also changed the payment split so the standard split of revenue with a developer is 70% to the developer and 30% to Apple but if a user subscribes to a service for one year or more that split will go 85% to the developer and 15% to Apple because it's obviously rewarding loyalty and longer term business. They are also revamping some stuff from a user perspective. So this autumn, they're going to be changing the featured tab. So at the moment, the featured tab is the same for everyone. So even if you've downloaded a particular app, if that's in the featured tab, it's still going to show it to you. But they're now going to tailor it based on what apps you've already downloaded, which will mean that unseen apps will get more visibility. And the biggest news is that next week they're going to launch search ads in beta with a view to them being available to everyone by the autumn. They're going to work in the same way as Google search. So it will be the first listing in search results. It'll be clearly marked as an ad. They won't be shown to under 13s. So this is a real great opportunity for developers to get their app in front of people and to promote it. On a side note though, do bear in mind if you're considering creating an app for your business that app downloads are slowing. So unless you're someone like Uber or Snapchat where they are increasing, really think about do you need an app? Is it something that people are going to be using on a daily basis? If it's just a a diagnostic tool or something that you might use once, then you would be far better to optimize it for mobile web than make an app that is potentially going to be competing with so many more regularly used apps on people's phone screen. A little bit on search, not a huge amount this week. So Google seems to be testing some new layouts for desktop search results. So it's on a light gray background with search results boxed in white with a slight drop shadow. I've also seen some people saying that they're seeing more space between the search results, which is pushing organic search even lower down the page. And some other things saying that the knowledge graph, so if you search a movie or a celebrity, you sometimes get that section on the right-hand side of search that's more information about that person. That's been moved in line with the search results. So it generally seems to be a cleaner version that they're testing, potentially to be more in line with mobile. If you think now, especially in the UK, more searches happen on mobile than they do on desktop. And obviously there's a lot less space to play with on a mobile screen. Then the more they can simplify desktop version as well, the more consistent it is in terms of experience for users. Couple of things on mobile. So a report last week showed that women are more likely to use their smartphones to access the internet than men. 49% of women's internet time is happening on mobile versus 39% of men's. And this is due to a combination of social media, e-commerce and gaming. There was also a study on voice assistance done in the US on 500 users across iOS and Android by Creative Strategies, and that's shown that only 2% of iOS users hadn't used Siri, and only 3% of Android hadn't used OK Google. That obviously sounds like everybody is using voice assistants, but just to bear in mind, 70% and 62% respectively said they only used it rarely or sometimes. It seems the biggest draw to using it is the hands-free element. So 51% of people said that they used a voice assistant while driving. But people really don't like to use it in public. So just 1.3% have said they've used it at work and 6% in public. 
at the moment it seems people are using it when they're forced to obviously they can't be typing messages or dialing when they're driving so again people really need to be thinking about as the internet of things expands obviously voice assistants will have more use but we need to think how a user is going to be comfortable using it how can it be natural and how can it be something that people choose to do because currently it isn't uh, just talking about the internet of things and smart technology pwc did a study that has shown that two-thirds of consumers are not bothered about introducing smart technology into their homes although they did survey people who already had the tech in their homes and 95 percent of those people said that they saw a benefit so once someone's got it in the house they are glad that they've got it but in terms of converting people to think that they might need lights that they can turn on before they get home or the boiler or the nest thermostat that kind of thing people aren't necessarily sold on it at the moment just a quick bit on e-commerce thanks to olivia one of the listeners for sending me details of this again i'll post more information on my website and if any of you have things that you want me to talk about then don't forget at kate hamer limited on twitter or kate at katehamer.com on email uh, this is about e-commerce so ebay and maya a department store in Australia have partnered to launch the world's first virtual reality department store. So you use eBay Shopticals, which are like Google Cardboard virtual reality type glasses. They're giving 20,000 pairs away and that helps you to navigate the store just using your eyes. You can navigate and browse. You can see products in a 360 degree vision. You can move from product description to price, etc., uh, there's a video that I'll put on my site where users are talking about how great it is. Uh, really interesting sort of foray into virtual reality shopping, which is only going to grow over the coming years, I'm sure. And now a few things on advertising and brands in general. Uh, so a nice little thing. Again, I'll put an image on the website in Denmark this week which was a campaign promoting out of home advertising so on the side of buses they had ad block this which is quite nice i think i said in last week's podcast there's always room for an integrated channel mix you should always be advertising where your consumers are so it makes sense that sometimes you would want to be advertising on the side of buses there are thoughts you know how much do people start to block out that sort of advertising just naturally because you're so used to seeing it do people really spot it anymore i think if you're trying to avoid ad blockers then social media is obviously also a great place because people are using apps on their phone and if you're doing your ads right there then you can be part of the conversation so that uh, is an alternative to the ad blocker conversation i might do a, a bigger section on ad blocking in a future pod Deliveroo have reported a rise in revenue to £130 million this year and on an annualised basis that's a growth of a thousand percent. That's mainly due to a rapid rollout, they're in 65 cities now. But again it shows a company turning a model on its head, they're delivering from a whole range of restaurants that don't deliver themselves through a network of self-employed cyclists. Do have to say I feel bad every time I order because I would not want to be cycling with one of those big boxes on my back I'm always glad that I don't live on a hill not that I order like massive amounts of food but you know what I mean uh, but yeah they're seeing great growth uh, 
there was an interesting article this week about O2 and the way that they are using dark social to personalise the comms they send on owned and earned media. What is dark social, I hear you cry. So it's content sharing that happens on messaging apps, so text message, email, etc., And some research from Radium One, which is a social listening company, shows that dark social channels account for 77% of shared content via mobile phones. So only that remaining 23% is coming from public social networks. So, you know, you send a link on WhatsApp to your friends saying, watch this video, that kind of thing. In terms of engaging with shared content... 80% of clicks are coming from dark social sources and 64% of that is from smartphones. And the big thing for companies is it obviously really messes up the way brands track traffic because it's going to class it as direct as if someone's just typed the URL straight in, but it isn't direct. They've been sent a link and that's how they've come to you. So O2 has integrated sharing widgets and url shorteners across all its media assets so that it can track and understand how that content's shared it's not scary it's anonymized data so users don't need to worry but it'll help them look at the flow of their content and help them to create more of the types of content that people want to share and want to watch you know whenever you're creating some content you should always be starting from a user perspective is it useful to them is it entertaining would I share it is always a good marker. You are a consumer as well as working wherever you work. So they should learn a lot from tracking what is being used in dark social. And then this week, I was just going to finish with a bit about the Euros. No beginner's guide this week because there was just so much news that I'm already over time. Uh, But anyone who knows me knows I'm big into football. And as a little side note, if you are into football, check out my football podcast, Two Pros and a Pod. But I also am fascinated by the way people use these sort of events like Euro 2016 for their marketing. So I'm following lots of players, brands, teams, the official accounts to look at what they're doing, how they're using social media. There's some brilliant stuff that I've seen this week. There's obviously the hash flags that I've already talked about. There's uh, the official Euro account is promoting the hashtag for each match with an image of a player from each team holding their hashtag, which also, again, I'll put a picture up, reminds me of how hard it is when you have two halves of a football stadium and a Panini sticker book and you have to match them up. They always look a little bit wrong, these hashtag images. The height isn't quite right, but it's nice. Panini are doing shinies of each team's sticker before the game kicks off. England have launched a similar thing to what TFL are doing with Twitter, where if you direct message at England with the word play, they will then private message you score alerts when the games are on. Budweiser have been promoting ITV football tweets of highlights during the game with the slogan 50 years of hurt is thirsty work as the intro image that was during the England game and I've also seen that they're obviously doing a brand lift survey with Twitter which is where you can select you can have five multiple choice questions that go out to a selected group of people within Twitter. They'll be doing it before their campaign started and after their campaign. Questions like what beer brand do you associate with the Euros? 
um, so that they can understand the impact of that advertising. And that's quite a useful study that Twitter offer. It's normally based on a certain level of spend that you can get that kind of thing, but definitely worth looking into if you want to look at the impact of your advertising. Copper 90, which is a big football channel, have introduced their first ever Facebook chat bot. So this provides editorial and news content to users through the messaging functionality within Facebook. So you basically, there's a link on their Facebook page to go to Messenger. It tells you to say hi, they send you back a tournament guide, and then you can scroll through news and various sections on there. And then each morning they will send messages to anyone who's previously interacted with the chatbot with anything that you might have missed from the previous day. Periscope is being used quite a bit out at the Euros. There's good and bad examples. Stan Collinmore is out working with TalkSport and he's giving some great behind the scenes access to their broadcast shows in the stadia, even down to walking through the fighting in Marseille on Saturday night to give a, a live true picture of what is happening there. England, on the other hand, are frustrating me in terms of how they're using Periscope. They're really not using it to their full potential. They've got someone standing on the touchline when the team are training, but they're holding the phone landscape, which means that you just have a little letterbox format. Whenever I watch it, I'm writing in the chat box, turn the phone round, but they're also clearly not watching what people are saying on the screen because they don't speak. They don't zoom in, so they're standing quite far back. You can't really see what's happening. Periscope is not a passive tool. You need to interact with it and you need a tone of voice, even though it's a video based thing. You know, they should have allocated a person that was their Periscope person. You know, hi, I'm Jimmy from the social media team and I'm going to be Periscoping. And they should be speaking and having a voice on that channel. And when people are saying what's happening, who's that, where's Vardy, let's see Kane, they could be zooming in and doing all of that. So it's a real shame that they're not using it to its full potential. JC Deco have done a deal with the Press Association. So using their smart content system and a feed from the Press Association, they're going to be displaying scores and latest news on the outdoor screens that they have. Apple have been have expanded their campaign where they use phone uh, photos from people that they've taken on their iPhones and they've got a series of football images in their latest advert talking about the beauty of football and it's all captured by fans. You might have noticed on Facebook that when you go to do a status update, they're prompting you to say, this game's happening at the moment. Do you want to let your friends know you're watching it? Do you want to add the score to your post? Brent Cross, the shopping centre, did a video with Stuart Pearce as their director of Footfall. Uh, and this is to help men be better at shopping. Normally... I'm not a fan of this kind of stereotype as a girl and a big football fan. It annoys me and I'm not a huge fan of shopping myself. It annoys me when it's all about, oh, guys are rubbish at shopping and girls are great. But somehow this isn't as bad as it could have been. I thought it was okay. Uh, the biggest thing for them is that they were promoting it on their Twitter account, but Stuart Pearce isn't actually on Twitter. So it's probably not going to get as broad exposure as it could have got if they'd have gone with someone who had a social presence. And that's something that you should always bear in mind when you're casting videos or pieces of content like that. You, you want someone that's going to be able to help you get a wider reach and hit a new target audience. Nike have done a six minute 
version basically of Freaky Friday with Ronaldo and a young kid uh, that accidentally get swapped into each other's bodies. So Ronaldo is suddenly in this kid's kitchen having his breakfast. Again, I'll put a link to the film. The whole campaign is called Spark Brilliance. They did a filter on Snapchat where you could have half of your face and half of Ronaldo's face. I struggled a bit with it because although I could align my lips with his lips, my nose, I have a different gap mouth to nose than Ronaldo has, so it looked a bit odd. I'll also put that on the site and you can see how weird it looks. And then there's some really odd things that people have been doing. So the official Euro account posted after the opening game between France and Romania, a SoundCloud link to listen back to Payet's goal in the opening game. So for me, that is a real example of spreading yourself too thin. Just because it exists as a social media platform doesn't mean that you have to do it. I understand why people might listen to a game live if they're not able to watch it, but once you're able to look at highlights, I think people would rather watch a video of a goal than hear it back. So they probably don't need a SoundCloud account and it's probably gonna be extra management for them to do to be putting content on there as well as everyone else. Another odd one is the hashtag orange sponsors you. To start off with, 17 characters for a hashtag is ridiculous, way too long. I have a real bee in my bonnet when people use you or I in a hashtag because orange sponsors you is fine when orange is speaking to me. But when I'm using it, do I say hashtag orange sponsors me, which is gonna mean there's two hashtags and it doesn't really work. It's very hard to find out exactly what they're doing with that. So I only saw the hashtag on a hoarding around the football pitch when I was watching a game. And when you go onto their account, they're not being repetitive about what it is. They seem to have a fan of the match, which I like. Nice play on words. They seem to be doing a battle of team hashtags each day to see which team wins, which I imagine they may be doing by counting mentions of the hashtag, but that's not clear. They have a really naff gif of the Eiffel Tower where they're showing people's tweets on it. Um, I haven't scrolled hugely far back, but I, I'm not clear what it is. And I certainly didn't discover it through people sharing it on Twitter. So I would think that that is probably not being successful. And another one that seemed a bit odd to me was Actimel have got a hashtag stay strong and they're showing two bottles sort of going into battle. And I think that would be another watch out for me. Yes, Euro 2016 is happening. Yes, lots of people will be talking about it. But if you can't legitimately get involved in that conversation and you're having to sort of shoehorn your way in, then don't get involved. Stick to things that represent your brand. So that is a whistle stop summary of the week. I've gone a little, little bit over. Apologies. Hopefully it was useful. Do let me know what you think do tweet at Kate Hamer Limited or email kate at katehamer.com. Check out katehamer.com and the podcast page for any images or videos about the things that I've talked about this week. And I will be back again next Monday with more digital download. Thanks, bye.